If you would take your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews and chapter 6. Hebrews and chapter 6. Do you know all know what today is? What national today day it is? Oh, you don't know what national day this is? It's pickle day. I mean, I mean, if that's use of fact there ever was, there that is one. But today is National Pickle Day. Not that I'm going to eat any pickles, but anyway, I just you know, every once in a while I look up see what is going to be happening and or what's supposed to be going on in the world, you know. And that was I'm, that was real news bulletin for you, I'm sure. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to start reading at verse 1 and read through verse 8. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your word. Thank you for the promises you've given us concerning your word that you preserved it for us, heaven and earth shall pass away, but thy words shall not pass away. We thank you that we can have confidence and assurance in the fact that we have the very words of God. And I pray, Father, that you help us to understand thy truth today, give wisdom in preaching it. Help me as I preach and pray to go forth in demonstration of the spirit and of power, for we know that without you we can do nothing. Pray that you be glorified and we would be helped. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 through 27, Matthew chapter 7, excuse me, and uh, verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will like him unto a wise man which built a house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and the great was the fall of it. You know, his house... When it talks about his house here in this passage, I believe it refers to a man's life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about our house. 
uh, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians verses 1 and 2, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, or in this house groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. So I believe it's talking about when he said a man built his house, he builds his life upon the rock. Of course, the rock is Christ Jesus. And when we are born again, we receive the foundation for our life, our house, if you will. And we are, through the living word of God and by power of the Holy Spirit, we are to build our life, our house, on that foundation. In 1 Corinthians 3, the Bible talks about we can build gold, silver, precious stones, or we can build wood, hay, or stubble. But if there is life, there should be fruit. In fact, in Matthew 7, there are two times it said, ye shall know them by their fruits. And so, when we're talking about building a life, we're building upon the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. This is what is meant in this passage here in Hebrews chapter 6, when he says, let us go on unto perfection. The word perfection has the idea of completeness or maturity. Let us go on to perfection. It is growth in Christ. You know, try, and trying to live the Christian life in the power of the flesh, of course, is going to be imperfection, vanity. So the title of the message this morning is, let us go on unto perfection. Now, if we're going to go on under perfection, we, there's several things that must, must, we must do. First of all, we have to launch or leave the foundation. The foundational things. In verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles, and that word principles means beginning or origins, the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on under perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, and resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So, he says we need to leave the beginnings or the origin, the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Uh, we're not to lay again that foundation. The foundation is Christ. And we don't, we don't live. You know, nobody... Yeah, well, I've seen a few people that did it because they didn't have money to finish their house. You know, there was this, there was this uh, garage that we used to drive up through Canoe, go to Altoona. And, and I remember for years, there was this garage that had the foundation and a row or two of blocks. That was it. For years, it was like that. I think the last time we are up there, you know, this has been 30 years ago. I think the last time we were up there, I saw it. Actually, there's a garage there now. So 30-some so years later, they decided to let's do something about and get off this foundation, you know. You know, Christ is the foundation, and, and he's saying, you know, uh, we need to leave the foundation, we need to build on that foundation. Let's just not stay on the foundation. Nobody wants to build a house, and you can't live on really, you can't really live your life on the foundation. You know, we know that our foundation is Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid Jesus Christ. But it, he says, not laying again the foundation of repentance. In other words, the beginning of things, or, you know, we must go forward from the foundational doctrines of salvation. And he lists them here. Repentance. You know, for a person to be born again, they must repent. That is a Bible doctrine. 
Repentance is a change of mind. It is foundational to, to salvation. If a person will not repent, they cannot be saved. It is not simply you just believe. No, you must repent. You must change your mind. You must, must be repentance toward God and faith in Christ. And, you know, is the re- change your mind about the person of God, accept the person of God. You know, Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it is possible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He must understand and, and you know, come to accept God as he is. Uh, you must repent about your sin. Change your mind about your sin, that it's an offense against God. That your works are dead works. Of course, he talks about dead works here. And that the works of the flesh cannot please God. You know, Hebrews 10, 3 and 4 talks about how the bulls and goats can never take away sins. And, of course, you know, he says you know, repentance from dead works. These dead works, or these Jewish believers knew what those works were, the bringing of bulls and calves. He says they can never take away sin. So there needs to be repentance. There needs to be repentance from those. But we're to leave that. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, it says, For they themselves... Show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And so we must repent. We must turn away from, from these things. Of the, you know, uh, an idol can be you making God out to what you want him to be. And so we must repent of these things. Uh, he says that, you know, laying again the foundation of faith toward God. You know, again, these are. You know, repentance and faith are, you might say, necessary twins of salvation. We have to repent toward God and put our faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. These, this is all true. But he's saying we need to leave those and go on. You know, the word baptism here refers to washings of the Old Testament washing uh, and refers to the defiling effects of sins being removed before we can approach a holy God. You know, the New Testament application of that is we cannot cleanse our lives from our sin ourselves. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I just need to clean up my life. I just need to clean up my life. And then I'll get right with God. How does a sinner clean up his life? I mean, is a sinner capable of cleaning up his life? Does he have power to overcome his sin? Not according to the Scriptures. No, he needs a Savior, a Savior to save him from his sin, and then the Holy Spirit dwelling in him to give him power over his sin. That's what he needs. You know, the strange thing is that those who have said to me they need to clean up their life first, they're still trying it. They're still trying it. They never did get saved because they're still trying to clean up their life. They'll never be satisfied with where they are. They'll never be satisfied with, you know, their ideas to think that I have to clean it up so God will accept me. No, God will accept you and your sin. That's what you need to do. You can give them your sin. Let them take away your sin. Your dead works. The laying on of hands here spoken of uh, has to do with a transfer of something. For example, in Deuteronomy 34.9, Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him, as did the Lord, as 
and did as the Lord commanded Moses. So, so Moses laid his hands on Joshua and it signified a transfer of authority or leadership to Joshua. But it also speaks of the transfer of sin. In Leviticus 4, 24, it says, And he shall lay the hand, his hand upon the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. And then in verse, chapter 16, verse 21, Leviticus 16, 21, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. So, so the laying on of hands has the idea of a transfer of something, and it can be a transfer of authority, or can be transfer of sin here, as we see in this picture, you know, the transfer of the sins of the nation of Israel onto the head of this goat, which is a picture of us transferring our sin onto the person of Christ. You know, that's what we do. That's really what we do when we receive Christ, accept Him as our Lord and Savior. We're giving Him our sin. Letting Him take our sin, take our penalty for our sin. Because He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So we're transferring. You know, when we submit to God and submit to Christ and salvation, we're really, we're really giving Him our sin. And, you know, these are wonderful truths. The resurrection, eternal judgment are things we, we learn and should understand at salvation. You know, they're part of the gospel. First Corinthians 15 talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the gospel. And these are all wonderful truths. But when we, when we give our sin to Christ, when we come to Christ as a Savior, when it's done, we leave it. We ought to move on. We ought to grow Onto perfection. And so, to do that, we've got to leave the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. The second thing is that we must move forward in faith with God's permission. Now, I know that may sound a little bit strange, but let's, let's, let's examine this here. In verses 3 through 6. And I want to define, of course, the word permit means to allow. In verse 3 it says, This will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh, put Him to an open shame. So we move, must move forward in faith with God's Permission. Again, the word permit means to allow or to give leave. Uh, an illustration of this is John nineteen thirteen, and Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus but secretly for fear of the Jews, he besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. In other words, he permitted him. Uh, so the word permit, the idea is something we want to do that God allows or permits us to do. So, the word enlightened means to bring to light, or to render, to enlighten spiritually. The word tasted means to perceive the flavor of, to make trial of, a partaker of the Holy Ghost, 
You know, has the idea of somebody that's come under the conviction of the Spirit, uh, tasted the Word and the power of the world to come, verse 5, is to feel or make a trial of, or seen to understand the effects of the power of God, of the gospel in the lives of people. Now, and then, he, and then he, the verse 6 there, it says, if they shall fall away, in the scriptures refers to those who fall away from the true faith, from the worship of Jehovah. Now, it is impossible if they shall fall away from true faith to renew them again under repentance. Now, to try and understand this, you know, take the case of the Jewish professed believers who fall short of faith in Christ after advancing to the very door or threshold of salvation. I mean, they have tasted that the Word of God is good. They've become, uh, they were enlightened. They, they, they knew the truth. They had become partakers of the Holy Ghost. They had been under conviction. They had tasted the good word of God. They had seen the, the, the effects of the gospel and the lives of other people. Yet it is not said. They have faith. Saving faith. They're like the ten spies who saw the land, tasted its fruit, had it in their hand, yet turned back. And these here are being tempted to turn back to their dead works, which were a shadow of that which was to come. You know, as, for, as Jews, for them to go back to the temple sacrifices is a rejection of the transfer of their sin to Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And a rejection of salvation on that transfer. And a rejection of submission to God's appointed authority to be made a child of God. I pointed this out to the young people this morning in Sunday school. You know, John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That word power there in that verse means authority. So, again, but as many as received him, to them gave he power or authority or the right to be called the sons of God. See, it's God that gives us the authority to be a child of God when we receive him, when we submit to him, when we repent of our sins. But to, to turn away and not rely on Him for our sin, to not to submit to Him, rely on Him completely for salvation, turn back to our dead works. Is to turn to is the rejection of, of Christ. And that's what it means to crucify the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. It's the rejection of the person of Christ and the work of Christ. You know, we have no authority to make ourselves children of God. Galatians 3.26 says, We are the children of God by faith 
in Jesus Christ. You know, without His authority and without submitting to Him, giving up our, of our sins to Christ, we cannot be saved. It is impossible. God will not permit it. See, if a person is unwilling to repent, surrender their life, their sin, for Christ to take care of, to wash away in His blood, for a person to try and earn their own way to heaven without relying on Christ, God will not permit it. He will not permit it. In Hebrews 10, 1 through 4, it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices they offered year to year continually make the comers there unto perfect. You know, this is, he's reminding these Jewish believers, look, those dead works that you trusted in, those bulls and calves that you offered year after year, can never make you perfect. Verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience in. In other words, if they made you perfect, you wouldn't have to do it every year. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me, in burnt offering and sacrifice for sins thou hast had no pleasure, and so on. But verse 10 says, By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You see, we move forward in faith with God's permission. We, have, we can only move forward when we rely on the person and work of Christ for our salvation. You know, if a person is going to grow in their Christian life, they have to have assurance and knowledge and certainty of knowing that they are a child of God upon the authority of God himself. See, to turn away from that reliance and dependence upon Christ is to say that he is no more worthy than my good works. And then we notice thirdly, I want to notice thirdly some illustrations that he gives us to help our understanding this principle. First of all, there's an example of going on to perfection. Notice verse 7. For the earth, which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meat for them, by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. So this is an example of one who responds to God's invitation with an open heart. He repents of their sin. They rely on Christ. And, and this, is, this is God's appointed means of salvation. 
and they submit their life for his purpose. And again, this is what God permits. This is what God allows. This is what God accepts. It is surrender in his lordship, his authority. In Luke 6, 46, Jesus said, And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You know, in fundamentalism and easy believism, we have, we, have, we have separated salvation and lordship. We made them two different things. So what do you mean by that? Well, you know, the, you, there's this idea. You can receive Jesus as Savior and surrender to the Lord later on down the road. The favorite... Their favorite, their favorite verse refutes that. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that, that crowd says, well, see, you don't even have to repent. You just need to believe. The Lord, that's Lordship. Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. They have separated Justification and sanctification. The word justification means to be declared or made righteous. Of course, the word sanctification means to be set apart from sin. Of course, that's a progressive thing as well. It can, it's, you know, uh, justification happens in a moment of time when we're born again. We're declared righteous. Sanctification is a continual process. But these things happen immediately about, at salvation. Sanctification begins immediately. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be a Christ, he is a new creature. In other words, he's declared righteous. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's sanctification. And sanctification is, of course, a process and will continue as we grow. But it begins, according to the Bible, at the moment of salvation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11 says, Such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. So, so you see these things happen at the same time. But we see here that in verse, in, in, uh, verse 7, it says, The earth which drinketh in the rain that oft cometh upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. Go to Second uh, Peter chapter one, verse ten. Second Peter chapter one, verse ten. Second Peter chapter one and Let's start at verse 4. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that be of these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add. So, the great and precious promises, that you were talking about salvation through Christ, and then he says, okay, now you need to add to that. Okay, now you need to build on your foundation. And this is the idea here of when the, when a, when the uh, earth drinks in rain that comes upon it, 
It brings forth herbs, meat for them, or fit for them, by whom it is dressed, or by whom it is prepared. And receiveth blessing or favor from God. So we are to add to our faith, add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fare. And in verse 10, it says, to make you. To make you means to, um, to become something. The word calling is a divine invitation to embrace the gospel. The word election is God's chosen, has the idea of God's chosen purpose for us as his children. You know, Paul said that uh, when he was writing Timothy, his purpose was, I was appointed a preacher of the gospel. That was his purpose. You see, this is going on to perfection with God granting it or God permitting. That's what God permits. That's what God allows. It's like the earth. You know, if you prepare a garden, you till it, you plant seeds, and it rains. And it brings forth herbs or fruit or vegetables, whatever you planted, that is meat or fit by whom it is dressed. You know, when God begins to work in your heart, your heart is like soil that's been prepared and receives the truth. And, and He wants to continue to work in your heart after salvation. He wants to continue to work in your heart and conform you into the image of Christ. He wants to bring forth fruit in your life, the fruit of the Spirit. Just like the earth which drinks in the rain brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We see this also. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 8 9, and 10. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship. We are His workmanship. So God is the tiller of the ground, so to speak. He's the tiller of our heart. He's the one that works in our hearts. And so we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Again, these are the things that God permits, that God allows, that God's pleased with. But it requires that we have certainty of salvation. We make that calling sure. And then we leave. We don't stay there. We don't rehash that over and over and over and over again. We ought to rejoice in it. But we ought to grow. You know, Amber's going to give birth to a little baby. They don't want that little baby to stay a little baby. They want it to grow. They want it to leave that child stage. They want it to grow and mature. It 
See, God has a purpose for your life and mine. But if we are going to fulfill that purpose, we have to leave the doctrines of salvation. You know, this, is, this, is, this, is, this really is taught throughout the scriptures in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. You know, you're going to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. The doctrines of salvation. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the doctrines of salvation. Then it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. How to live the Christian life. How to fulfill God's purpose for their life. This is what God allows. You know what God will not allow? God will not allow you to go and do your own thing. Do whatever you want to do. And give you His blessing. He's not going to do it. Any more than those ten spies decide they were going to do it their own way. They weren't going to do it God's way. And God said, no you're not. He wouldn't permit it. He said, they came back and they gave this evil report and then, and then they wept and wailed and all this and, and, you know, that they did. And, 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 uh, and, of course, those ten spies died. And so the people decided, well, you know what? We have sinned. We've done wrong. Now we're going to go up. God said, no, you're not. No, you're not. See, God wouldn't permit it. See, we need to, we need to embrace... You say, well, I don't like God's will for my life. You're going to be opposing God. God's not going to permit you to get your own way. He that saveth his life shall what? Lose it. You know, speaking about people like that, Bill Rice III used to have this saying. He'd say, he'd say, I could, he said, I've said to many a teenager, I could write your life story. They were rebellious. They didn't want God directing their life. And he said, I could write your life story. See, God is still sovereign. He also gives the example of turning away from Christ in verse 8. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Your thorns and briars is the earth's wrong response to rain and the tiller of the ground. You know, when I till up the garden, it looks really nice. There's no weeds on it, you know, because I've just tilled it up nice and fresh, and I plant, plant, we plant plants, and they start to grow. But you know what starts to grow first? Weeds. I didn't plant any of them. I've never planted a weed yet. But they grow anyway. You know what I do with them? I pull them out. Throw them out in the yard. And then I run over them with a lawnmower. And he says here, they're going to be burned. You know what's going to happen to your own good works? They're going to be burned. They're going to be destroyed. 
going to be rejected. It says that the briars, thorns, bri- thorns and briars is rejected. The word rejected means to not stand the test, to be not be approved, or we might say not permitted by God. You know, if you try to do something God doesn't want you to do, even if it's a good thing, it's going to come to naught. Look again, go back to Matthew. <clears throat> Matthew 7. Verse 15 and 16. He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they have ravening bulls. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good fruit, good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good, good, forth good fruit Fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And, and of course, we, we read verses 24 through 7. And the man who builds, wise man who builds his house upon the rock, and the foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. You know, the difference was not in the storm, the difference was in the house the man built. You see, the difference is not in the trials and tests of life. The difference is, is who are we trusting in, who are we resting in, what are we building our life on. That's the difference. That's what makes a difference. You see, one man was directed by the Lord, the other by his own will and his own desires. One was God's permitted way, the other was not. One stood the tests of life, the other did not. And one will stand at the judgment. The other failed in judgment. You see, God wants us to leave the doctrines of salvation. And he wants us to go on to perfection. In a The idea is that he wants us to embrace our purpose in life. His will for our life. He wants us to embrace it and live there and serve there. Be a witness and testimony wherever we are. For Paul, that meant he was appointed a preacher, a missionary. He traveled. Started churches. That's why I left farming. I still like farming. I'd rather spend my vacation on a farm than in a motel where I'm looking at sights. That's the honest truth. You see, God didn't choose me to farm. A different purpose. That's what, and see, God wouldn't permit me to be a farmer. That's why Peter says, 
You make, make your calling and election sure. Of course, your calling has to do with being invited to embrace the gospel. Your election has to do with making, God, making sure of God's purpose for your life. Finding God's will. Doing what you know to be right, right now. That's God's will for your life. You see, this is going on to perfection with God granting it, or God permitting it, with God's favor, with His blessing. But again... We must go on with his direction. We have to be resting in his salvation. And yielding our life day by day, allowing the Spirit of God to lead us and direct us according to his word. You know, in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, these Thessalonian believers were a good example of this when it says... So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions, tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. See, the way you're living, you're living with patience, enduring your tribulations. It's a manifest token. It's a revelation. You're revealing to the world that God is in you, the hope of glory. So, what are you resting in for salvation? That's from a week ago, two weeks ago. And then the second question would be, what is your life producing? What kind of fruit? Are you going on to perfection? We shouldn't have to be reminded of that we're still saved. We should have assurance of that. That's what God provides. We ought to go forward from there. Walking in the Spirit, producing fruit that is pleasing and glorifying to Him.